Welcome into another edition of Stern Spotlight. Dead period after the Super Bowl, you say? Uh Uh-uh, I don't think so. There's been a ton of news in the National Football League this week with Aaron Rodgers re-signing with the Green Bay Packers, Carson Wentz being traded to the Washington Commanders, and Calvin Ridley being suspended for partaking in gambling. I'll talk specifically on this episode about Aaron Rodgers and Calvin Ridley, and next week I'll talk some college hoops as we finally start to prep for the craziness that is March Madness. Enjoy. I'm glad that A-Rod finally got the money he deserved because for Aaron Rodgers, the only logical decision was returning to the Green Bay Packers and finishing his career with the organization he started it with. On a number of levels, I think it would have been tempting for him to try his hand in Denver with the Broncos. For one, Denver has much better weather than Green Bay. You have 300 days of sunshine. There's skiing, there's snowboarding, there's hiking in the mountains. He could have gone fishing every single day if he really wanted to. Yeah, I get it that he wasn't making a decision solely based on the weather, but part of me thinks that he wanted to go play in a climate that he felt comfortable in. Being from California, not only would he have been able to return to the West Coast, he also would have been a lot closer to home. The supporting cast in Denver is also there. It would have been a plug-and-play type of destination. Offensively, they have two really nice young receivers in Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Javante Williams is certainly a building block in the backfield as well, and Melvin Gordon is a nice ground-and-pound type of guy, so he could have just stepped right into that offense and performed really well and helped take that team to the next level. Defensively, the pieces are also certainly in place with Bradley Chubb, Patrick Sertan, Justin Simmons. They have their fair share of playmakers on both sides of the ball, and for many years, quarterback has been the missing piece of the puzzle in order to help take the Broncos to the next level. Part of me thinks that Aaron also really just wanted a change of scenery. Remember, this is a guy who's been seeking new different types of life experiences as his career has progressed. He became a minority owner with the Milwaukee Bucks. Recently, he became a part-time Jeopardy host. So he's constantly looking at the next new thing that he could do. And on the field, I think potentially leaving the Green Bay Packers and trying his hand elsewhere was always a strong possibility. Regardless of all of the reasons he potentially could have left Green Bay for Denver, I do believe that he has a much better chance of finishing his career out on a high note with the Packers than he ever would have had with the Broncos. For one, Matt LaFleur is one of the best young HUD coaches in the game. He's a guy who instantly elevates the team's overall level of play and gives them a chance to win every single game. With Mike McCarthy, the Packers consistently underachieved, but with LaFleur, they're finally playing up to their level of potential. There's a reason why Aaron Rodgers is playing his best football in the twilight of his career. I think having a guy like LaFleur has breathed life back into him. He didn't look this good with Mike McCarthy. He was always an outstanding quarterback, but it it feels different with LaFleur in place. I know I just talked about the supporting cast that he would have had in Denver, but the pieces around him in Green Bay are pretty damn good as well. Him and Devontae Adams have been one of the best quarterback wide receiver duos of the past decade, and there's no reason that they're going to be tapering off anytime soon. 
Whether the Packers will be able to retain Adams is a question for another day because for the time being, I don't think Adams wants to go and play anywhere else. I also really like Marquez Valdez-Scantling as his number two receiver and the running game with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon behind him has taken some of the weight off his shoulders. That's evident. The Packers' defense also doesn't get nearly the amount of credit they deserve. They have two of the best playmakers in the entire league on the front and the back end of that defense in Jair Alexander at the cornerback position and Sedarius Smith coming off the edge. I know that Packers fans are still seeing ghosts from that shocking loss in the NFC Championship game against San Francisco, but realistically, there's no reason that why they can't run it back with the same core. Anomalies happen in playoff games all the time. That was a weird Lambeau Field, January, typical, typical strange, odd type of a game with the snow coming down and the sub-zero temperatures and no team being able to get any real type of leverage. That was an odd game. I think if you played that game over again a hundred more times, the Packers would have won at least 99 of them. Despite that loss, it's also important to remember that Green Bay earned the number one seed in a crowded conference that included the defending champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the eventual champion Los Angeles Rams. From a pure talent perspective, the Packers have just as good of a chance of winning next season as they did last season. Unfortunately, though, there's just no guarantees in the National Football League. Weird things happen every week, teams suffer injuries, players don't live up to their potential. So really, anybody sitting on their couch waiting for the Packers to get eliminated in the postseason in the playoffs next season so they could say, oh, well, I told you so, I told you that the Packers weren't going to win with Rodgers, doesn't have the right to say that because this is such an unpredictable game and an unpredictable sport. The difference in the level of competition that he'll be facing in Green Bay versus what he would have faced in Denver is another reason why he made a really smart decision to stay with the Packers. Any player in the NFL interested in winning anything significant would be stupid to avoid the NFC North. The NFC North is more comparable to an FCS conference in college football than it is to an NFL one. You have the three biggest lovable losers in all of football in the division with the Lions, Bears, and Vikings. Minnesota and Chicago finally have reason for optimism. They've, both organizations have been buried in a black hole for the past five years, and I think they both made outstanding decisions in their new head coaching hires. Matt Eberflus is a proven defensive coordinator in this league who's done a good job bringing in a good supporting cast on the offensive side of the ball. And we all know about the Sean McVay tree. Kevin O'Donnell is an apple off of that tree that I think the Vikings made a smart decision to hire him. It's going to take a couple of years, though, for both of those organizations to turn the corner. And I think the Lions are clearly in rebuilding mode with Dan Campbell. That's obvious. So by the time all three teams are relevant again, we'll be at the back end of Aaron Rodgers' four-year contract. Look, I understand the guy just went on a spiritual cleanse and he's all about the good vibes and the hippie nonsense and all of that stuff, but he'd really be have, to, have to be taking the hard stuff to pass up facing lesser competition to face Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, and Patrick Mahomes six times a year. Yeah, no thanks. I don't want to face any of those three guys. I don't even want to play in that division. 
All three of those teams are potential Super Bowl contenders. We all know that the Chiefs laid a dud in the AFC Championship game, but they'll be right back there next year. The Chargers were a Super Bowl contender until they were eliminated in the last game of the season. And look how successful the Raiders were without their best receiver in Henry Ruggs and with all of this controversy surrounding the organization with John Gruden's firing. So that's a really tough division to play in, and I don't understand why anyone would want to go to a team that's in direct competition with all three of them. Truthfully, there's no guarantee that you win a single game against those guys. Another thing that really bothered me about Aaron Rodgers' potential fit with the Denver Broncos was the risk factor involved. You have a first-year head coach there in Nathaniel Hackett who has never run a team before. The situation had massive boom or bust potential. In theory, they could have made the Super Bowl. They could have gone 12 and 5 or 13 and 4, but they also could have gone 6 and 11, and Aaron Rodgers all of a sudden is going out on a really bad note. That's not a situation you want to be in. If things went south, he would have looked like an idiot for signing with the Broncos. It was assumed that Denver would win if they got him, but I don't necessarily think that would have been the case. Obviously, this is pure speculation and we'll never know, but it's hard for me to say that team would have been instantly really good just because of Aaron Rodgers. Looking at the track record of quarterbacks who have spent their entire career with one organization and won a Super Bowl and then made the decision to go elsewhere is also something that's really important to consider. Tom Brady is the rare exception of a legendary player who finds success elsewhere, and most of the time it doesn't pan out well. Does anyone even remember Brett Favre with the Jets or Joe Montana with the Chiefs? (laughs) Yeah, just look at how that worked out. It's very possible that that's exactly what could have happened with Rodgers in Denver. No matter how you look at the situation, Rodgers made the right decision in returning to the Green Bay Packers and solidifying his legacy and career with the organization it all started with. The NFL's decision to suspend Calvin Ridley is a catastrophic failure on the league's part and an extremely bad look for the game of football. Let's not pretend for even a second, let alone the 72 hours that have passed since Ridley was initially suspended, that he's the only player gambling in the NFL, or sports for that matter. Tons of other professional athletes have to be partaking in gambling in some form or fashion. In the NFL, it would be surprising if more players weren't placing in-game parlays and bets at halftime. Major League Baseball, pitchers have to be gambling on their days off. What else are they doing aside from drinking and playing golf? Give me a break. And I don't understand how a league that has promoted gambling to no end and encourages bad decision-making penalizes one of their own for putting a few shekels on some games. If you've watched an NFL game in the past year or two, you've seen the number of in-game ads. From MGM Grand to Points Bet to DraftKings, to FoxBet during games where you can place live bets. The league is literally encouraging this, and now they're going to get mad. Don't be a hypocrite now. Don't do it. Are they selling candy bars at the dentist or giving away heroin at drug rehabilitation centers? Uh Uh-uh. I don't think so. And hey, Mr. Commissioner Goodell, practice what you preach for once in your life, buddy. Stop going against your own word and giving out penalties for things that you're promoting. It just doesn't make any sense.
There's certainly a conflict of interest here, by the way, that Ridley has bet on games he played in, and he's also interfered with the competition aspect of the sport. Let's be honest with ourselves. What he did is somewhat morally wrong. There's no denying that. The guy was putting money down on something that could distinctly sway the outcome of the game. For that, I will say he needs to be held accountable. But having to miss an entire season? No, that just doesn't sit right with me. After all, gambling is federally legal, isn't it, right? The NFL has had guys get in their cars drunk and kill people multiple times, allowed players to beat their significant other, and then play again in the league, yet they were ready to send Josh Gordon to the gulag for smoking weed before restrictions were loosened. There's no consistency in the punishments here. And when there's zero consistency, the league starts to operate in this very weird gray area for almost all of their rules. Guys could do something that's illegal and go to jail, yet they don't get suspended. They're not kicked out of the league. Yet someone does something that's perceived as morally wrong, and all of a sudden they're vilified like it's the worst thing ever. It doesn't make any sense to me. Where's the transparency in terms of consequences for certain offenses? There's none. That puts the league in a really, really bad place when they're handing out these consequences left and right with no real explanation from anyone. Nobody knows what's right and what's wrong anymore, and while I know that Ridley certainly didn't believe he was above the law or doing something that was completely okay... The persecutioner just hasn't laid down any transparent guidelines with any offenders in the league for anything. Everyone's guessing about what type of consequences someone's going to face for specific actions, and no one can ever get it right. It's a really bad place to be. The popular consensus among everyone is that Ridley put down a $1,500 bet to lose his $11 million yearly salary for 2022. I get where people are coming from on that, but there was nothing horribly wrong with what he did, and he probably didn't think the consequences would be nearly as bad as they are. He's going to be out of the league for a year because he put down an amount of money that was equivalent to a quarter of football. Think about that for a moment. He was recreationally gambling. He wasn't putting his future or his team's future on the line. I don't believe that for even a second. At the end of the day, Ridley was just a dude trying to have a little fun. He was putting a very relatively low amount of money on the line. When you're making almost $2 million a year as he was, $1,500 is pennies on the dollar. That's beer money. It's not a matter of life and death. Maybe, just maybe it influenced his performance a little bit, but I don't think it was making or breaking how he played on the football field just wasn't. At the end of the day, sweet man Calvin was just doing something that he enjoyed. Don't hold it against the guy for doing that. He was gambling a little bit of money on games he was involved in. He wasn't mortgaging his house or anything like that. And for that reason, I think going forward, legalized sports betting should be something that's okay for players to partake in, not something they're discouraged from doing. That'll do it for this week's edition of Stern Spotlight. Thanks again for taking some time to listen. I'm looking forward to coming back again next week with another edition of Stern Spotlight. Peace.